Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football. Horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Roger Rapport. All things considered, this week has been another successful chapter in the Chronicles of League One as Sunderland battled their way to a formidable nil-nil draw away to a very capable Barnsley side before coming from behind yesterday to beat a Walsall side 2-1, a side who were 17 leagues places below Barnsley but were certainly no mugs either. Joining me today in the studio to discuss the highs, the lows and nitty gritty would have been Johnny Goldsmith, but um, he forgot we were recording at this time, so he's not here. So I'll jump straight to Chris Cam. He's here. How are you doing, Chris? I'm not bad at all. Punctual and uh, on time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I actually care about the podcast, you know what I mean? Like some, Evidently, some yeah. yeah, yeah. Not to name any names, of course, no. but unlike some, you know, you, you obviously are committed to the cause. Absolutely. Fighting yeah. the good fight. Yeah, and as well as Chris, we're also joined by a man you normally hear over on the Extra Pod, although he is known to do a few occasional rather high-profile interviews, <laughs> not to name any names again for a different reason. It's Graham. How you doing, Graham? Me head hurts. Fair enough. Hey, do you have <laughs> any, any other contributions? I've got one of those pint headaches. Right. That, that goes above your eye. And I'm also thinking, has anyone checked the toilet for Johnny? No. It might not be late, it might just be in the book. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always a possibility. You know, it might just be like a cover story. Oh, lads, I forgot, there, I, like... I forgot we're recording at 10, lads, he says, from the uh, from the, 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 the disabled toilet in the Sunderland Uni <laughs> media got, block. Like, family in there, like Pursuit of Happiness, and that's why he's deep. <clears throat> could be, like, could be. If you haven't seen it, whatever. Yeah. I think what we should do is we should, like, just to check, like, he's not got a cover story here, we'll just, like, we'll go to the toilet and then we'll, like, ring his phone. If you like, a faint, like... Mm. <laughs> and that'll obviously indicate that he's behind there but yeah no let's uh steer away from from toilets and let's talk about things that aren't toilet which are Sunderland's recent results wow how's that for a segue that would, oh wow, wow. So let's average. start with Barnsley Barnsley became the first side this season to stop Sunderland scoring in league one thankfully we managed to keep them out and the game ended goalless Mamadou Tiam I 
think he's called, had arguably the best chance of the game when he struck the bar in the first half, although the one-on-one which Max Power hit wide is probably a close second. Regardless, it's a very solid point for us, which denies Barnsley their chance to get away from us. The race for automatic promotion is still very much in our reach, thanks to that result, and thanks to their draw at home to Doncaster, which I believe... Was no, Doncaster were at home. At Doncaster, Doncaster were at home. Regardless, it's another draw for them. Big up, Donny. Yeah, plays in our hands very well. Moving on to the Walsall game. The Walsall game saw Sunderland get back amongst the goals, although it wouldn't be us to draw first blood, as Josh Gordon, who scored from a free kick. Bit of a fluky goal, but to be fair, it looked pretty nice when I watched it back in the fourth minute to give the visitors the advantage. But Lee Catamold reminded us all that he's an absolute goal machine in League One by levelling the scoreline 29 minutes later. The visitors were no pushovers, but ultimately we proved to be the better team and we got the winning goal courtesy of Will Grigg who put our second goal away from outside the box following a nice little Josie Barini-esque one-two with I Charlie Mike. Yeah, yeah, it was very, that's, very... That's literally all I could think of when I saw it. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Like, it was like a mirror image of it, except he didn't curl it, he just like placed it. Absolutely. control slash really good pass. Yeah, something like that. I, I, I want to say it's like a flick on because I, I need to say something positive about him. I've not done that in a while. But anyway, before we get on to the, uh, the more finer analytics of the two games let's have our three word review so as always we asked the good people of twitter to summarize their the recent events of the past week for sunderland in just three words and this is what they came up with so danny um what does that say danny babbage i think it's baby j like baby jet okay we're gonna say that danny spelled it wrong danny baby j we're gonna say that said comeback kings paul rackstraw said wind wind fire It's, it's not quite that that band that sang that song about the world turning. Wind, wind, fire. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning. But there's, ah, oh, because is, is, is he not talking about the fact it was very, very windy? And yeah, was and, and the world Griggs on fire. Ah, yeah. 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 It's a bit early for me, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I quite like that one. Anyway, Kieran Lawrence said, on our way. AM said, closing the gap. Phil Smith said, Pompey can't sell out. <laughs> Big fan of that one. Uh, have it. <laughs> DJ Lozza said League Wide Open. Timothy Walker says Wild and Windy. Barger says Cracking Subs, Jack. Ian Cunningham says Drop Adam Matthews. Andy Gillespie, Gillespie? Andy Gillespie says Only Acceptable Outcome. Ross Collier says No More Walsall. We have played them, yeah, we've played them four times this season now. I, honestly, they have managers and coaches on the sideline just wind me up no end. Like, just really? watching them, every single decision, they're like, get slinging their arms at the end. Jack yeah. Ross just, they're looking at them like, just, just, literally just calm down. Like, is somebody pissing their cornflakes every day or something? Because they're yeah. absolutely <laughs> furious. It's another swear word, that one, Chris. <clears throat> Was that a swear word? Yeah. Oh. We, we've, we've been warned about this, Chris. <laughs> I know, I'm actually like... It's terrible. <laughs> Uh, we tend not to as much these days because there's, there's no rule that says you can't but it's mainly me yeah, it's, got, it's mainly Chris right too late too late Pete Watson says not that good <laughs> Gaz says grinning after winning Eleven Manoni says goal machine cats Mark Evans says ticket to ride with full stops at the end of each word and Sean Cotterill sort of swerved the whole three three word thing by saying Will Griggs on and then putting a fire emoji oh that's clever Big fan of that very very there's sweet. no yeah, it's three word review you're not meant to say anything yeah. about emojis no 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 there's, there's really no limit to emojis so you could put three words and then just like fill out the rest of the character mm. amount with emojis and there's nothing we can do to stop you that's how it goes did anyone notice that when we did the Kevin podcast thing Kevin Phillips podcast sneak thing that Gav put the baldy grandpa as one of the emojis <laughs> and I don't know why he did that no I didn't say that but 
It's because Kevin Phillips is a 40 odd year old bald man, and that's just like. Oh, he's beautiful. He is like. <laughs> he is. He's, he's, he's the nicest bald man with a big part on this podcast. Yeah. Big shade. Not to name any names again. <laughs> I feel like you names. need to stop comparing yourself to him, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Lied's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Lied's a stupid place. Anyway. <laughs> the three reviews were good there, though. I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, I one of them was uh, not good. Not, not that good was one of them. I just felt like, well, what, yeah, yeah it's like, not bad. you play against a team in Warsaw who were absolutely pap. Mm-hmm. See, didn't swear. No. Absolutely terrible. They just sat back, stick ten men behind the ball and defend, and if it's frustrating and mm-hmm. they, they're combative and they make it hard for us pressing and that, but we kept the ball, moved it around nicely, built good. up from the back, scored two goals. Which was, you know, like their goal was a free kick. They didn't really create anything else. No. I mean, they had a couple of crosses that sort of flashed through, but I think on mm-hmm. the whole we defended reasonably well and yeah I'd, I'd, what more are you asking for we're not yeah. going to roll over any team in this league because they're always going to sit 10, 10 behind the ball so there's nothing we can do about it yeah and if you think even in the Premier League you know like your top teams are still going to have the teams in the, mm-hmm. the the bottom half of the league put up a fight against them you know ultimately we've won and that should be all that matters we've, we've won for me very convincingly the, the, yeah, free, like, the free kick was a bit of a fluke for me there's we didn't think look that, in any danger yeah, though not really no I think once once we got back in the game, it did just seem like a matter of time before we were going to go on to win by 2-3-1. But we'll get that in a bit. Let's focus on the Barnsley game for now, because I do like to do this chronologically. So, Graham, let's hear from you. What did you make of the Barnsley game? Just just give us your thoughts. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about like now, how I feel about it, it looks it looks positive. And I wasn't overly disappointed with it um, in terms of the result on Tuesday. But I think if I remember how I felt after the match, like directly afterwards, I was disappointed. I felt like there were... If I'm honest, I felt like they were much better side than us. They looked much more dangerous. They dealt with the conditions better. They looked like they got the ball on the floor better. Um, but <clears throat> pardon me, the kind of the performance yesterday in terms of keeping it on the floor means that I think maybe Jack Ross noticed it as well. But if you're looking at directly just the Barnes the game itself, I thought we were quite lucky to get away with a nil nil. If I'm completely honest, mm-hmm. I'm very happy with that result. Um... Before the game, I would have said if we can get if you can go to Barnsley and take a draw, then that's a fantastic result for any team in this league. Yeah. Um, it was frustrating because I feel like, although I mean the conditions ruined the game, like I was about saying, both managers said so afterwards. Everyone watching it could see it was that like you stuck the ball in the air and it wouldn't move properly. It was mm-hmm. really bizarre. Yeah, like the ball would go up from uh, like our end, go into the going at the air, and then drop vertically. It was like the wind was that bad. Oh, ridiculous! But um, I'm okay with the draw because in the, the day, well. Ooh, nice cliche. At the end of the day, Barnsley have a good team and they will pick up and beat most teams in this league and they might well have beaten us. The reason I'm frustrated is we could have nicked it. <laughs> like There was a couple of moments in there where if there was just a little bit more quality mm-hmm. or if somebody had like put the weight on the pass a bit better or if Max Power was, you know, wasn't a box-to-box Poland midfielder, was actually a striker, yeah. we might well have won that game 1-0. If Max Power was, say, Will Grigg, no, Would you have had faith in Greg putting away that one on one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it wasn't. A, it, I mean, it's a one-on-one on paper. That, that's what you would call it if you were referring to it in retrospect. He had but pressure it, on it, him. It was a it was a tricky one to to handle. He had he had pressure on the the ball had sort of felt him quite awkwardly. As yeah. you say, he had that defender to his left. He had to take it. He had to yeah. take it sooner than I think you would have liked to as yeah, well. And then, at the end of the day, it's not mm. Power's fault. He's not a striker. It's, he's, he's not. It's not his. It's not his game. No, No, he's he's playing a role because he's been asked to, but he's not going to be very good at it because it's simply not what he does. No, no, it's he's been asked to do it. I think on, you know, due to the circumstances of our players getting injured, and uh, to his credit, I think he's done it quite well. But that's another thing about the wind. Normally, blaming a difficult game on the wind always sounds a bit soft. I think when you when you hear managers like Klopp say, you always think he's just sort of 
you know, he's just sort of like de- deflecting blame in a very sort of feeble way. But in the first half, uh, we struggled to make any progress down the pitch with a long ball because, as you said there, Chris, the, the wind would just blow it straight back. You, know, you couldn't make any progress at the all. The game good. plan, it was like, it was easy. Like, if you if you don't want to go and take the initiative and try and score the goal, then it was such an easy game to play. And I think Barnsley were, when they got the ball out of the pitch, they looked confident. Their passing was so slick along the floor. They moved mm-hmm. us about. We couldn't keep up with them. They took advantage of, like, Catamol's lack of mobility, in particular, in moving the ball around them. Yep. Um, but when they were defending, it was just so simple for them. Mm-hmm. They just they just knew, like, listen, let's just press them really high up the pitch so they can't make any progress. And then when they go along, we'll win it back because we've got the wind in our favour. Yeah. And that was the first half. We did really well to get into that first half at nil-nil because mm-hmm. it's almost like, how on earth do you... How on earth do you combat that? No. I would have liked to see um, when we play, we get the ball at the back four, and then Grant Lebitter comes short and he collects it from Baldwin or it was Flanagan at the weekend or done the other night. He gets the ball, he turns, he looks forwards, um, he either doesn't see anything he likes and he goes back, we keep the ball and just wait for somebody up front to do something. Generally, what happens is McGeady comes central, takes the ball, spins, moves. The problem is, power should be the guy making something happen because he's in that role. That's what mm. Honeyman does when he's in the team. He moves midfielders and defenders out of position what I'd like to see if we haven't got that movement from number 10 get the ball into Leadbitter straight into the fullbacks like just go wide immediately and then we can think about building triangles and build up on either side if you go down say the left hand side and you get blocked off to dead end that's fine bring it back out recycle it straight over the right hand side straight away I think it's impossible for us to do that when Adam Matthews is playing left back do you reckon? because he I mean he was a little bit pinned um, at times by his, his winger against uh, Walsall and Barnsley he definitely was because they had uh, decent players but when he comes forward he's just so right footed yeah. he cannot play left back it's not his fault either you know what I mean he's been asked to do the job and he's defending wise he's okay but going forwards I mean yesterday against Walsall he had this he made a great run down the left hand side received the ball and then he whipped in a brilliant cross outside of his right foot. Like, it was laughable. Like, it was, like, it was literally right in front of us. I burst out laughing. I couldn't believe it. It's like, he's that left-footed. It was honestly, it was screaming to be hit with his left and he just dug it out of his right. And if you've got, say, Denver Hume in that position, then I think it's a lot easier for us to attack going forwards because yeah. Hume is just so much more direct yeah. and he's much more comfortable using his left foot because he's a left-footed player. That I think so. As well, like, yeah, he does that all the time. Forward and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think, I think Denver Hume is going to be a really good option moving forward. I think he's, if Oviedo's not in the picture, and um, which I don't think he will be. I, I, I don't know no. what, what the, what the sort of, what the predicament is with him, but I can very realistically see him just never playing for us again <clears> no. for whatever reason. I think that's, I think that's theory's going aback that, um, going around that he's one game off a certain clause in his contract that the club just don't want to pay. That would right. make, sense. That makes sense. That does make sense. And if Oviedo is happy to sit there and not play and understand the picture then fair yeah. enough I I, I, well I think Oviedo is quite a measured character really if you think he's, yeah. he's from an era of players who were very you know he's from the the, the era of, of Endong and, and Papi and Kone loads of very like greedy mercenary-esque players but Oviedo you never really heard a peep from I think he just sort of got his head down and got on and just sort of accepted that yeah. it is what it is ultimate I, professional yeah I think I think he'd probably be very sort of okay with the fact that if, if, if it is the case that should he play one more game, that we'd have, we'd then have to trigger a contract. I can imagine that being a problem. If you think he's, he's, he's he'll be on a lot of money, and any contract that would have been arranged by David Moyes would have just been some like careless sort of chucking of a ridiculous amount of money. And I can imagine that contract clause being ridiculous if it does yeah, exist. I don't know what it is. I think it's total probably, speculation, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it might I mean, not even exist. Yeah, spe- speculative though it may be, I could imagine that if it is the case that it exists, it would be a extortionate and be something Oviedo would accept. But coming back to what you say about have a wide place, Chris. I think you're definitely right that 
if if Matthews is going to play, it can't be on his on his awkward side. I think yeah. a lot, all of our best attacking motions seem to come through our flanks. You know, we have a we have some very capable fullbacks and wingers in that team who can who can burst forward, take on the man, look for the overlap, build those triangles. We can do it all from those sides. I think I think that that's that for me is where the bulk of our our substantial attacking threats come from. Yeah. I don't know what you think, Graham. Do you think that we need to focus more on what we do down the flanks or can we make more on from a ground war in the middle with whoever's going to play a number ten in the near future? Um I, I like things going down the wing, but I suppose that's probably because I was brought up with a team that had Mickey Gray Johnson on one side and, and Summer being Chris Megan on the other and that was at the time, everything sort of came down that, and you had a, a solid middle in terms of Borley and like Alex Ray or, or Lee Clark or someone like that next to Borley or, or whatnot. Um, I think our, some of our best football for me has come down the wings this year. I mean, I, I can't remember what goal it was, but there was one where I think it was Oviedo that put the ball in, and I think I'm sure it was Josh Madger that scored. Um, I, I like stuff going down the wings. I think the problem that you've got is it's not like you kind of Johnson Summerby sort of times when the ball just goes in you've got Lyndon Gooch who break dances like before he puts a cross in <laughs> he, was, he was frustrating at the week, that's a really good like. way of putting it I mean I'm sh- I honestly and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way because I like Lyndon Gooch and I think he's got a, a really good future here but I think we've got to remember I know he's 22 23 but I suppose with Gucci you look at it's the first time he's probably played 30 30 odd games and played a game every three or four days yeah. ever I, I think it's probably natural. And I imagine he's not getting a great amount of sleep with a newborn kid there as well, which I know sounds really, really, really daft, but if he's tired... It's true, isn't it? I mean, in real life affects the, the, you. These are real problems, yeah. Yeah, he's a real human at the end of the day. I, I, he could break dance like McGeady. McGeady break dances really well because he gets in person <laughs> and stuff like that. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, to answer the question, um, I, I like I like Honeyman deeper. Um, I, I think that works for me. I prefer... <laughs> We're joking there somewhere, <laughs> but, but you know, but we're, we're mature grown-ups. So we're going to sidestep it. Please continue, Graham. I'm definitely not mature. Um, <laughs> but then is, I think when it comes to having a number ten, I've said it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Why don't we try Lugo nine number ten? Yeah, yeah, he's played really well at right back, and I think that's, I've said this before, but it's like it's he's made himself undroppable at right back. He's he, he's played himself out of the opportunity to play in his natural position by being so good. Yeah, I think so. I think while O nine is probably a natural number ten to an extent, as you say, he's played himself out of any chance of being a midfielder because he's just so good yeah. playing where he plays. I don't think he's been particularly prolific in the past two games, but just mm-hmm. generally he looks very assured there. He was good against Walsall. He was poor, poor the two before that, Wickham and, and Barnsley, mm-hmm. but that was just a dip. Yeah, you know I mean, but it's just so energetic, and I think what we want from a full-back in Jack Ross's team is we, that we don't want a full-back. We want an out-and-out wing-back, and Luke O'Nine plays that perfectly. He can win the ball back you know, with that sheer energy, with that sheer willing. He can win the ball mm-hmm. back off the winger. He can charge forward he can he can pick a decent pass he's not the best passer in the team but he can, he can do it there was one ball early on in the first half to release McGeady which I just thought was class on the right and from yeah. right back position I, it, from where I was sitting it looked like you overhit it but it was actually really really nice little uh, out ball and got Ooh. us on the got us on the front foot which is what you need there was a moment where he got into that position where the number 10 should be and it looked like he didn't know what to do like he'd forgotten what to yeah. do he got there and he's like he ran through the midfield he's just back onto the centre half and he's just like looking around like going yeah who wants it then? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, do something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame. But um, I think for me, like we spoke about the back four in the last pod, but um, 
like Matthews at right back and Hume at left back would be my natural choices because you need that natural mm-hmm. yeah. defensive ability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think while but oh nine doesn't not, deserve to be dropped at all. No, not at all. I think if you're gonna if if he has to move away from fullback, you put him as the number ten because while as we've said, he's been a very good he's been a very good fullback, wing back, whatever you want to call him. His natural position is playing as a number ten, which I believe he would play very well. And obviously Matthews, I think, is for me is actually there's been a lot of people saying that he hasn't done too well recently. He's, he's got a lot of detractors really just over time, Matthews. I don't know why, but I've uh, I, I quite like him. I think this season he's been very solid, and I would like to see him play his natural position just to see just to give him a chance to really show us what he can do in such a crucial yeah, of games. Like he's, but, he's still had the initiative yeah. going forward. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Speaking of defenders, something that I do want to cover is our centre-backs. Still perceived by many, myself included, as being the real weak link of the team. I've, hear, I've heard a lot of people say that you know our defenders against Barnsley looked a bit wobbly again, but to their credit, they were playing against one of if not potentially the best side in the look league. As look as what was the one. It was terrible wind and they kept clean sheet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they kept a clean sheet. Ultimately, they contributed towards that clean sheet. They were playing against what is arguably the best attacking side in the league. Do they deserve more shift for the pra- for the more praise for the shift they put in, if I can get my words out? Um, yeah. Um, but, I mean, they certainly work hard and they're part of the team and they do everything that you could ask them to do. I think it's ultimately just a little bit of a lack of quality that lets them down at the end. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, Again, we still keep like as many clean sheets as you would probably want to. Like I know we concede odd scrappy goals every now and then, but we've still got the quality to bail ourselves out. So I'm not really too worried. No. Um, set pieces have improved dramatically. Yeah. They really, really have. Like that was obviously an onus that uh, that Jack Ross put on his his players to like really tidy it up from set pieces, and they have done to, to all of their credit. Like Jimmy Dunn came in and obviously shook up the centre half partnership with Baldwin and Flanagan, and it's. Taking a little while, but I think based on yesterday's evidence, I know you could possibly put Flanagan at fault for the goal, but at the end of the day, they, they were all right. Like Baldwin, I thought, was immense actually yesterday. I thought he was really good in the air. He, he pretty much he won everything. He won a couple of free kicks off their, um, off their strike as well. I think yeah. it was Gordon, who's slightly shorter than him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, when their big lad came on, then a big number nine for them didn't really affect the game. To be honest, uh, Baldwin handled everything really, really well. Everything that came at him. Flanagan again isn't a natural centre half, so every time he plays and does something all right, it's like, well, well done. You can't really hold too much against him. It's up to the recruitment team in the summer to sort of bring in a, a big commanding leader. It definitely is. I think that should be the first port of call. I mean, obviously, I, I don't want to assume for the second that we aren't getting promoted, mm. but realistic though it may be, whichever division we happen to be in next season, I think a a sort of a, a, a like a, a big physical assured leader playing centre back is should be the should be the, the first the first thing we should be ticking off that agenda. That is exactly what we need. I think for me, with our defenders, we are going to have games where they're not going to play well. I think you're very much an idealist if you're going to assume that we're going to go an entire season where we're going to have flawless defensive performances. The lads will sign in League One with a budget that isn't that is good, but is still not ridiculous. We're not going to sign. We're not going to sign these absolute world beaters. We're going to sign players who are in League One for a reason. Could be good players, but are ultimately going to have are going to have bad days. They're going to have times where they're not playing too well. But I wonder, perhaps, how much of that is their quality? Are Baldwin, or maybe not Baldwin? He's he's probably comfortably our best. Are the likes of Flanagan and Jimmy Dunn? Are they perhaps not very good in the grand scheme of things? And are they perhaps going to give away fouls or not play well due to a lack of quality? Or is perhaps confidence the sole thing holding them back because if you look at Flanagan against Walsall 
the first 20 minutes, he, he looked a bit all over the place, especially when he gave away that that free kick. He had loads of time to control that. He was bigger than the man who was chasing him, but he let the ball bounce about three times and then he failed to sort of nick it back off his man when yeah. he really should have he should have dealt with that a lot easier. But could that perhaps have been nervous? Because he, he looked a bit dodgy as well after that. But yeah. as we came back into the game, he looked a lot more assured and he didn't really put too much of a foot wrong afterwards. So how much of it... We'll, we'll throw this question to you, Graham. How much of our defensive partnerships problems are their lack of quality or is it purely a lack of confidence? I actually really like Flanagan. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but um, defensively, I think it's much of a muchness. To be honest, I think it is probably like a quality across all three of them. I don't think any of them are championship level if that's where we're meant to go. I right. don't even think they're... Don't think they're near good enough. But I think when you've got like Baldwin and Flanagan playing, what I quite like about them is like we should be a team on the front foot in just about every game. That's what you'd like to think, home or away. And they we played the ball on the floor so much more yesterday. Um and I, I feel that was helped by the fact that Flanagan and Baldwin just put it on like they keep it on the floor as best they can. Mm-hmm. I think they've got a bit of quality there in terms of like coming forward and bringing the ball out from defence, certainly more than Jimmy Dunn does, because Jimmy Dunn I, I, he drives me crackers with those long balls. It drives me absolutely insane. Like I'm, I'm, t- I'm tired of it, and I was, I was delighted to see him out of the side. If I'm honest with you, but I think I was. To kind of answer the question, do I think it's quality or like a confidence? Um, I de- there's a few times I've seen Baldwin lose a lot of confidence. Um, namely, I think it was the Blackpool game where he obviously scored, but well, actually it might be the Accrington game. What was the one we give the penalty? Where was it Accrington? Accrington. Yes, it was it was that game, I think, then. And him and Jimmy Dunn looked terrified every time they had the ball. It was like hot yep. potato. Um, so maybe there is, and I think there's obviously an element of confidence with with every player, but if every centre-off, like Jimmy Dunn, Baldwin and Flanagan all full of confidence and flying, do I still think they're good enough for where we're at, where we want to be? No. I, I think I think what would have worried me about Tuesday is if Kiefer Moore plays, big, mm-hmm. massive unit of a man, yeah. And he plays against Jimmy Dunn, who's like... Oh. He, he runs a bit like a robot, doesn't he? <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> the, I mean? There is an element of that, I think, to his game. I think there's an element of looking a bit a bit sort of mechanical, a bit sort of not naturally adept at what he's doing. And I'm, really, I'm really surprised by the, the thing with Jimmy Dunn. I'm, I'm really surprised that I'm, I'm so... I'm such a... Not a fan of... I'm just not a fan of him at all. I'm really surprised by that because when he came, obviously... I spoke to a few fans that support Hearts um, up, up, in, up at my end and they loved him. They thought he was brilliant. Um, and I think it was around, when we signed him was around the time we did that um, interview with Phil Bosley and obviously off the record, I asked about him and he said, yeah, really good lad. Like, you th- I was youth international and, and everything was praise. Everything was praise coming for him. And then he came in and he just looks, he just looks a bit weak for being such a beanpole, but... I'm sure there's people that disagree with me, but I, I don't think he's got quality to be anywhere near what what we want now or where we need to be. And I think Baldwin's probably the same. I think Baldwin can come in and have two really good games, and I think he's been really good the past two games. I thought yeah. he was excellent at Barnsley. Um, but my favourite of the, of the three is Flanagan, but a lot of my favouritism towards Flanagan is I think he's the best to bring the ball out from the back. I think going backwards, I mean, the way he let that ball bounce yesterday, like you said before, was just like it was proper bog standard, like yeah. League One behaviour. It's like that's what I would have expected from Brendan Galloway last season. Oh, God. Did Again, I, I, him? I, yeah, I don't like to sort of. So, under 23's captain, you're talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan Galloway. Ouch. But yeah, I think what you say there, Graham, 
<clears throat> it's quite, if I was to maybe pick out there how you feel about our defenders, it's quite a condemning indictment. I don't know what you think of this, Chris. What you're essentially saying is, am I right in thinking that should our defenders be at the top of their game, sort of mentally, if they were, if their confidence was through the roof, if they, you know, felt about 10 foot tall, would they still not be good enough to play as a championship pairing? Nah, uh, no. I don't think so at all. I don't think, um, I think Flanagan maybe could do backup. In the championship, because he's obviously very versatile mm-hmm. and can play right back, left back, and played there for Burton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, who got relegated? Yeah, um, exactly. I, I think I, I don't think Bald, I don't think Baldwin's going to be good enough. No, and um, I, I'd be I'd be very frustrated if Jack Ross, seeing Jimmy Dunn as say another loan sign, and say I mean, God, let's hope we go up and say we do, and I'm, I'm well ahead of schedule here because we've got nine games to go, and we're we're not even in the automatics. Uh, promotion places as of yet as we speak but say we do go up um, say you know what say we don't say we don't go up would I be happy to see Jimmy Dunn and Baldwin or Baldwin and Flanagan or whichever the, the pairing of the two would be as our first choice centre-off pairing next season no no I wouldn't um, I, I just I don't know and, and maybe I'm being really harsh but I just I, I think they just lack a lot of quality yeah a part of me wants to disagree with you but at the same time I don't know if I can I think if we come back to what we said about Kiefer Moore just there obviously it's it's never nice to see players suffer, suffer more of the brutal or grotesque injuries in football the likes of Kiefer Moore suffered I mean I think Quest wouldn't even show it on, on camera when it, when he got that head injury because it apparently just looked so like grim but I, I couldn't help but be extremely relieved that he wasn't in the Barnsley team and I think that, that that probably goes somewhere to support in your argument, Graham. Kiefer Moore is a very good League One striker, so by all rights, he would probably be a fairly standard striker in the Championship. I think a lot of teams in the Championship would be okay if they had Kiefer Moore. I don't think he would light the, the division up, but but that's just it. I think I I would really I'd be really uncomfortable with the idea of Baldwin and Dunn trying to keep him out. And a lot of Championship teams will have someone equal to Kiefer Moore's standard or higher. So you've got to think that's the caliber of player you're up against if you get promoted. That's for me a bit concerning. I don't know what you think, Chris. I think Baldwin's all right, um, but mm. you need somebody alongside him who can handle the likes of the straight you're talking yeah. to. I agree with that. So, like Flanagan isn't going to be good enough in the championship unless he does something miraculous to prove his wrong. Dunn has done nothing to show that. In terms of like, like Dunn, I don't know if Hearts play build up from the back possession based football, but I doubt it. Because looking at Jimmy Dunn, if the Hearts fans rate Jimmy Dunn, then there's no chance that that's the type of football they play. Because mm-hmm. we play the ball out from the back, and Dunn can't do it. Yeah, he keeps playing this ball long, and I think he got dropped um, for the game on Saturday more due to the fact that he's not listening to his instructions than his actual ability to defend. Yeah. You know that, that ball going over the top and bypassing Ledbetter, who is literally exists exclusively to receive the ball from mm-hmm. the centre halves. It's like if you're not doing that, then you're not doing your job properly. Yeah. So we we don't need anyone to try and be a ball playing defender when we've got someone like Ledbetter yeah. in front of the back four because he can just do it for you. And do what, you know what is Baldwin yeah. and were superb at doing that yeah. on Saturday. They didn't. Yeah. They, there was a couple of moments where they looked like it could be nervy, but that was just more the crowd being nervous. They mm. were cool. They were coolest yeah. people in the place, mm-hmm. and they controlled it. There's times there the, the Walsall press was really good. It was really effective, but we bypassed it mm-hmm. pretty much 100 percent of the time. It was did. really really impressive. Mm-hmm. The only time Baldwin played a long ball was when he was actually trying to aim for someone, like trying to pick out McGeady or something like that on the wings. We didn't go long to Grig once, I don't think. Oh really? Like, that's quite perfect. Liked <laughs> the thing I quite I quite liked about yesterday, and you mentioned it like with coming out from the back, there wasn't that too many long balls. Now Jimmy Dunn and Ledbetter came in at the same time, and I don't know whether it was just me, but when we're in attack 
it feels more like Ledbetter drops in a kind of almost like centre-half position. Yeah, against, so against Barnsley, the amount of times Ledbetter yeah. cut out crosses where Jimmy Dunn should have been standing. It was mm-hmm. just like, what are you doing? Yeah. You've, got your, you've got your full-backs bombing on almost as like um, wing-backs. Ledbetter kind of, uh, Ledbetter obviously, um, I think, attacking almost drops back to go alongside whoever's playing centre-half. And he just gets, there's so many times when Jimmy Dunn plays, he gets bypassed yep. and just gets launched. And like, there was a point... I think it was Wickham when I was like, well, he must be getting told to do that. Why is Jack Ross changing the tactics? Then you watch the game yesterday and, and everything then, was on yeah, the floor. Yeah. And it was all like, right, I've got the ball at the back, right? Short ball, led better, led better. What you got on, right? Doesn't work. Back to Baldwin, back to Flanagan, right? And again, right, what have I got on? And hey-ho, we got two goals and we were like one goal down. If that was a few weeks ago with Jimmy Dunn there, I think we would have struggled all day, launched long balls, they would have nodded it out and we might have got a cheeky little equaliser at the end. Mm-hmm. And I just said cheeky little equaliser, which sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. like... It's hard, to word, it's hard to use the word cheeky in any like scenario that doesn't sound a bit minging, I think. Especially when you're 32 <laughs> years of age. Especially that great, yeah. <laughs> I thought like uh, the players of like all of them immense credit yesterday for the way they played. Mm-hmm. Um, we all Definitely. go down after five minutes. The, the stadium was very, very shook, silent. Mm-hmm. Not a lot to shout about. Um, they just they didn't get phased by it. They played really, really well, I thought. They actually yeah. grew in character. And then obviously the goal went in and you could see the place lifted. It was mm-hmm. huge. The fact yeah. that Catamol scored it as well didn't do any harm. No, I agree. And we'll get on to Walsall exclusively in a moment. But one last point I want to make on Barnsley is that they got a nil-nil draw against us at home that will probably be a bit disappointed with, but probably not not overly upset with. That's because they knew they had the game in yeah. hand, didn't they? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they got a nil-nil draw against us, and they followed that with another nil-nil draw away to Doncaster. Whee. So that's 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 two draws. That's no goals scored, and that's given us a very good opportunity to overtake them. I think overall this week for them will be mm. seen as a failure on their part for their promotion bid. We win our games in hand. We go above them. How realistic is it that they could bottle it, Barnsley? Um, I don't think they'll bottle it. I just think they might miss a little bit cutting edge without Moore and McGain in the team. I, I know so. McGain's back soon, but. Uh... Bill might miss Moore. That's that's mm-hmm. they've done really well about him up until like this week. So I'm not going to put me hat on that. You know what I mean? They might well be absolutely mm-hmm. fine and still win every single game because they're perfectly capable of doing yeah. that. Um, it didn't look great against Doncaster. Mind I watched that game and Doncaster had the better chances of, of that game, especially <laughs> Doncaster the, are a good team though. They are. So I'd, I wouldn't be. Should we should we be consigned to the playoffs? That'll probably be the team we play in the preliminary before we go to Wembley. <laughs> If we know. beat them and go to Wembley. <laughs> what would it be? Us, Doncaster, Pompey and Charlton? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's third against sixth and fourth against fifth, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That's how it goes, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I mean, from Barnsley's point of view, if you look at those two results in isolation, they're fine. Like mm-hmm. a nil-nil draw at Doncaster's okay as a result in isolation. Mm-hmm. And then a frustrating draw against us, but conditions and everything to sort of go like, right, yeah. well, let's just call it mm-hmm. a draw and forget about it. Mm-hmm. They might be frustrated they didn't take some of their chances, which they probably should have done. Yeah. Like, if put was... us to the sword. If I was a Barnsley fan, I'd be looking at those two games. And I, I, see, I hear what you mean, Chris, that obviously, you know, they're not losses, the draws. The draws against very formidable teams. There are far worse teams in the league than us and Doncaster. But I'd look at that as a Barnsley fan and think, right, if we had Moore and McGee, we could have won both of those games. Yeah. They, they might look at that in, in, in retrospect and think, right, Sunderland, you know, their, their, their defence wasn't brilliant. You know, their, that, 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 big, that big Irish lad we had, they had didn't play too well. I think if we had a bigger lad in, in Moore or someone like McGee as well, I think we probably could have got, we probably could have nicked one, win that one nil, could have beat Doncaster by a similar margin. And then suddenly they've got six points from two very big games, yeah. and they've more and or less secured it. Yeah. yeah. So there's probably there might, there might be an element of sort of fear 
now amongst the Barnsley fans that they've missed a very good chance to pull away and now that they've opened themselves up to us overtaking them especially that we've just picked up a massive three points against Walsall there I bet they don't think of it that way though I bet they, even though mathematically it's in our hands I bet they still think it's completely in their hands because mm-hmm. what credit have Sunderland got to say we're going to win every game Yeah, you know what I mean like who on earth Like you can't look at any stage of our season and see nope. us as an absolute winning form machine mm-hmm. and Barnsley will know Barnsley will think well we've, we if, if you think of Barnsley and Sunderland which team has far more chance of winning the last eight games Barnsley will back themselves all day to do that do. over us. I don't think there's an awful lot between them, but there's there's nothing about us to them that's overly intimidating compared yeah. to them. We've had some good spells this season, but we've had some very disappointing ones, yeah. relatively speaking. That's why we've, I don't we've think had a lot. We've had 16 draws. You know, how many draws have <laughs> that's been, crazy, like, that like. It's been like crappy little one ones against you know teams like Oxford or teams like oh, Wickham. Wickham, yeah, where we've just been held and we've just not had the cutting edge or we've just not looked very good on the day. They might, if they were to like analyse us, they'd probably think, you know what, we, we we might just be better than these. We might not be, but at the same time, they won't be thinking that we're this like big bad team that are going to overpower them and take their spot. They're going yeah. to see us as fair game. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDag, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at two percent permanently. That's two percent on football, horse racing golf almost any sport two percent that's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better for the better like you BetDAC, the two percent commission exchange over 18s only please gamble responsibly i think what you're saying about will barnsley bottle it i think they, they absolutely will not bottle it no if they miss out on automatic promotion it'll be just due to bad fortune bit mm-hmm. of lack of finishing or something like that might cost them but they certainly won't be bottling it. No, I think that's fair. Think, so let's... Oh, sorry, Graham, sorry, go on. I was just going to say that the point... And now I'm, I'm not a golf fan at all, but I was talking to Tom from uh, Betdag yesterday. Yeah. Um, and he made a point, and I, I don't know, what, how many holders are in golf? 18? Yeah. Depends right. what... If, if you play a full game, it's 18. Because he made a really good point about both Luton and Barnsley. Now, we've got a heck of a lot of experience in our team. You, you, might, you, you might not feel like it is because it's a whole new team, but you've got like... McGeady there, people who won't feel the pressure of a League One promotion race. Will Gregg, who's done it time and time again, so the pressure won't be on him. Flanagan's even done it. There's loads and loads of experience in our team. Now, you look at like Luton, who looks so far ahead, and you look at Barnsley, who, like you said, you, you, you don't think they'd bottle it. But I think especially more, maybe more so in Luton's case, and he was saying, um, you know, if it's a person with the, the I think, like you see, you get like, you get on, is it, you get on the green, you've got like, after like I don't know 15 shots or something like that and you're just three away from like putting out or something like that like basically you're well ahead of the game. if you've got Terrible. 15 shots part of the green you've had a bad hole <laughs> you're right well what, what I suppose the point he was making is that like say someone who's quite fresh to this kind of promotion race if you say and mm. so far ahead like for Luton for example and, and Barnsley will feel like they're worse quite far ahead and mm-hmm. we were looking like playoffs nailed on only last week sometimes when you're that far ahead it's like squeaky bomb time. You start thinking like, mm-hmm. oh, so I was to lose. And all of a sudden you get like, I mean, look at Barnsley. They've drew three of their last five. If that was Sunderland. Meltdown. <laughs> we have a total oh, yeah. meltdown. The bombers would be squeaking. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the golf analogy completely felt like right, really fell on the toss. Um, I knew but, where you were going. <laughs> I knew where I was going. I, what, what I mean is that you've got a lot of experience with us players who will just be like, right, game after game. That's fine. Like McGeady, Champions League. Matthews has played in the Champions League. The, they might feel a bit of pressure because it's Sunderland and what it means, but like... Did he say Champions League or Championship? He got Champions League. 
Matthews. He got my oh, Celtic against, against Lionel Messi playing for Celtic at left back. No, you did. I'd, honestly, no. I wish this was a video podcast because Alex's face was hilarious. I just thought, thought he'd missed the championship. <laughs> he was mate. just like, you could see going through his head. He's like, what? Got eh, the match, Adam Matthews, Champions League? He's Googling it now. Yeah, I'm Googling it. So Tony Watt. Tony Watt and like the. Uh, it's Tony Watt scored like the. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Rod Stewart started crying. Yeah. He used to be a Rangers fan, I believe. I know. He's just. <laughs> is he even from Glasgow? <laughs> oh, God knows, mate. God knows. <laughs> Actually taking a Google break in yeah, the podcast. Yeah, I'm just, just ignore me. We keep speak. talking, boys. I'm, I'm just. I'm still Back when Neil Lennon was a. There's Samar Asphalt. Boy, yeah. What a team. One Yama, crikey. One Yama got the first twenty. <laughs> what got the win? Van Dyke not in that team. Oh, Van Dyke might be in that team. I don't know. They're not, not going to show me like the the, the highlight, the, not the highlight, like, like the lineups. Like I'm pretty sure Matthew's got man of the match, and he was playing left back, and he was marking man marking Lionel Messi. Never left him all night. Crikey, right. Come on, where's, where's the stats? Which is impressive, considering he can only defend a one foot. All right, lads, yeah. just keep talking. I'm finding the stats. I think 50% of Adam Matthews managed to stop being a Messi. It's like, the, the, the point I was making so much about, like, and it was Tom who made the point about golf, so, like, I'm not a golf fan at all. Yeah. But basically, sometimes when you're ahead, you wobble a bit, because you think, no. well, I mean, you could say, like, maybe Luton haven't, but they drew yesterday Luton, right? Hi, big Gillingham. Yeah. Up the gills. And that's up, what I up mean. Up the gills? I mean, up them. There's a lot. There's a lot of like experience now with team, and a lot of people that, like I say, McGeady and that, will not care about. I mean, they'll care, but they'll not feel pressure. Oh, Graham, Graham, I'm going to cut you short here, mind. It says he was on the bench against Barcelona. No, they played no, them no. twice in two years. Did they? Yeah. Oh, that's when they lost two one. Aye, they won. Okay, okay. I've I've attracted my statement. <laughs> he definitely played, and he Messi and um, Messi said he was the greatest left back he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> oh, no, you, no, no, stop, stop it. It was in Spanish, and my translation is not perfect, but it was a no, lot of it, but, uh, but it was, it was literally uh, this man is the Welsh Ashley Cole. Wow, <laughs> that's we, what he said. <laughs> we had to find a good left back, Welsh, really. Welsh Roberto uh, Carlos, the Welsh yeah. Kieran Richardson. Uh, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, he said that this this man's performances. This this I mean I don't know. Messi would have been what twenty one at the time, but I believe the direct translation was the performances of this man emulate that of a inform Pascal Chimbonda or a young Andrea Desena. A, yo- a young Andrea, an old Andrea Desena. <laughs> he reminds me of Andrea Desena during his his seven game spell with reminds the of Sunderland. Jack Colback for those uh, oh, ten beautiful Colbach, games we played left back. That is a niche. It's statement. not. It's not funny that. <laughs> too soon since Jack Fullback's still like so anyway let's talk about Walsall now that that little segue has come to an end <laughs> Walsall sit 19th in the table and are a team that realistically I think are only one bad run of form away from relegation come the end of the season it's very tight down there. they're a very very poor team I'm not you think like, so I, I thought they made us work hard for that win they made us work hard which is fine but that's the bare minimum you should, mm-hmm. I mean the manager should be pleased with his players but yeah. they're a poor team they're not like man for man that Gordon has something about him but even then, he couldn't mm-hmm. really. He didn't. He didn't trouble. Yeah. Anyone? They got down to the our byline a couple of times, but their then, wide players I thought looked very good. That number uh, ten, um, Zelly is Zelly Ismail. Zelly Ishmael, yeah. Yeah. But Lugo nine. I thought he was very good to be honest. Lugo nine at right back. He remembered turning his hop off tonight, and like against Barnsley, because you could see he was actually locked in and concentrating. Yeah. Barnsley, it was just like <laughs> honestly, I thought like he left his gas on in the house. He was yeah, absolutely yeah. like all over the place. Uh, but um. He was much better. He, he had that desire that a fullback should have. Just I'm going to block this cross. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do to get this cross in the box. Yeah. And he blocked a fair few of them. So mm-hmm. man of the match for me yesterday, Luke Nine. 
I don't really, don't really know to be honest. I think he'd be up there, but I, I, a part of me would just want to give it to Greg because he, he ultimately made the difference in that game. Mm. If he didn't have someone with his quality in that game, it would have been one-one for me because they would have they would have held us off. You, you um, need that bit of quality just just to Magidi made Magidi made things happen when he dropped deep mm-hmm. and, and claimed the ball. Yeah. He made he started a couple mm-hmm. of attacks. Ledbetter is always a shoe in for man the match. Yeah, he can't always. he can't decide and give it to Ledbetter. I think he said last week that if no one. If no one's outstanding, then Ledbetter gets it by default because he is just that yep. good. And if we, I stand if by a, that. If it's a good yeah. team performance, Ledbetter wins man of the match. Yeah, because that. he's just he's just that good. McGeady for me though was very good again against Walsall. I yeah. think he's he's just in this league. He just looks so good. Yeah, he's just he's good. He just he just dances through them. He, he can do he can do so much more than just his, his normal duties as a winger. There's loads of times where he'll take the ball off the opposition, then he'll just sort of like move through three of them, then move across the field and put the ball to the other flank. And he can just do that. I think at a higher standard, he'd probably struggle to be that. That industrious, but he's just he's just capable of so much in this league, and I think that reaffirms again what he said last week, Chris, that Jack Ross should just, while he has his team sort of set in a very specific way that each player plays a certain role. You know, you've got wing backs, you've got ball, you've got ball playing to, um, midfielders in front of the back four, but McGeady should juxtapose the whole thing entirely by yeah. just being a free player because if you let him just float about and you know, quote unquote, make things happen, he will. He can just he can just do anything with the ball. When we're going forward, yeah, he's he's he'd had a he had a shot at one point where he picked up on the sort of edge of the box, corner of the box, mm-hmm. cut inside his man, and just hit a left foot shot, and the yep. keeper made a decent save. Mm-hmm. I was just I was watching. I just thought, you know, it is. There's not many players in this league who can just do that. No, he can just shift the ball out his feet, create a yard of space, mm-hmm. and hit the target. And he makes it like a training exercise. It's like, oh, box had yeah, a shot. Dead yeah, easy I, for I him. do that. I think like I have shots. of all the players in this league who can do that in live game, we've got about three or four of them mm-hmm. in our squad, and we had five of them when Madru was here. Yeah, um, it, it's it's sort of a, an embarrassment of riches that we've got. Mm-hmm. I sort of I want to be a bit negative about it though, and uh, criticise some of the players who I didn't think do enough. Oh, um, oh. I just they're not that they don't do enough. It's just Lyndon Gooch, right? We need to talk about Lyndon Gooch. Yeah, we, we, do. we do actually need to talk about really Lyndon Gooch. Really He's he works really hard and do you know what it is it was really interesting because he, was, he wasn't he was good enough when he got the ball he couldn't find a cross He's, he had one opportunity to cross the ball to Wyke for a tap in and he just screwed it back Greg ended up making something happen off the back of it but that was Greg not Gooch doing that but what I thought was interesting is he came on and then when Morgan went off it was in, we played better mm-hmm. like our attack was better it was more structured and we knew what we were doing and Gooch enabled that through his positioning and the way he plays mm-hmm. but when the ball did come to him, he would just he had the amount of times he had the opportunity just to put the ball in first time on his right foot and, he and would cut back inside. Yeah. It's like step you need up, you're up. not yeah. good he's not good enough on his left foot to do that. Mm-hmm. And the defender knows that. So mm-hmm. if you're past him and on with the chance to cross it in of your right, you've already beaten your defender, you cut back on your left, you've just bailed him out for nothing. Yeah. You've given that defender a second chance at you. There's loads of times where I think he takes the ball down the wing and he just sort of like in like it's a weird weird way of describing this but I think he like physically stammers on the ball he sort of like he like has the ball at his foot and he sort of like just like kicks at it from the bottom while moving gradually towards the fullback but he doesn't make any progress the, the, the furthest he'll go a lot of the time is to the byline where he'll then have to bring it back to power and that quite literally happened I mm. think with his first motion when he came on as a sub yeah. that being said though he did have some bright moments there was one part towards the end of the game where like he, he took his man on he, he took two of them on and he sort of like burst through them it you almost like it. It, looked, it looked like the the blooming Kool Aid man just like busting through like that little wall <laughs> oh, yeah. and then just like just like slung the ball in and like and and no one was there to take it but it was a good ball so I think I think he's a tricky one, Gooch. I think he, at times he flatters to deceive. I think 
He's just he's probably shy. A, he's probably of like he's, level. Just, he's just a bit too ambitious, and I don't think what he has in his locker at the moment is in proportion with what he wants to do. I think he can be a very capable winger if he just sort of, rather than trying to take his man on all the time, he opts just to swing it in or just to find someone else with it and just sort of like see who he can tee up in that triangle or just who he can mm. find on the overlap. But he just he tries to be like McGeady a bit too much for me and. While I, I, I really like him, you know, he's a great lad. He, he encompasses a lot of good values that we want to see in this club. But he's he's not Aidan McGeady for me, and he's, he's not he's not that good. He's not even Lewis Morgan. He's, he's, no, he's probably not. To be honest, he's he's decent. He's very decent. But if his decision making was better, that's the difference between him being to, flattering to deceive and being a very solid winger. He needs to evaluate use. to himself like what is my impact on the game. So mm-hmm. when he comes him off the bench, right. We played better. Him stopping out wide, it just helped. It sort of moved them yeah. about. The game of the defense, defense someone else worried about. It worked for the team. You know, I think just him being on the pitch opened up a lot of chances for for White and Greg when they were up there. Yeah. Um, he needs to look at what what does he actually get out? What does he get for his team while he's on the pitch? Like if you look at Morgan, he might not get a shot on target or even set up a key opportunity. But what he what else does he claim for his team? That times mm-hmm. Morgan on Saturday went up the field, got fouled, won a free kick. And we're great at set pieces now. Brilliant. That's a really, really good goal scoring opportunity for us. How many times was Gooch in that position where he sort of burst past a fullback and got them the trip mower? Yeah. Didn't happen. If you can just put that ball past him, as much as I like I was frustrated by his like the quality with the crosses and that, I would rather see him getting into the position and putting the cross in early and then missing the player entirely because at least you're doing it. Keep doing it because eventually it'll come off. Don't like get into that position think oh well he's obviously not doing it consciously but somewhere in his head he knows he's not going to make this cross count and that's why he's turning and coming back and deferring responsibility on somebody else just take ownership over it Jack Ross and guarantee would much rather you see you spanner that cross out of play than you turn around and play it at power when you're in the right position to do it like that's a good opportunity it's a good look you've beaten your man you've, you, all you need to do is cross that ball into the box and then you've done your bit He's not taking that ownership and seeing that through at the moment. No, I don't think he is. You're right. And that's because he makes mistakes when he does do it. Yeah. yeah. The breakdancing thing, I know, is like a kind of like a comedy comment, I suppose. Um, but no, like, but it, it makes a lot of right. sense, though. It is a bit like that. He just doesn't need to do he's, he's a better player than what he's shown at the minute. He's a, he's a good kid. He's got a good attitude. He loves Sunderland. That's what we want at the club. And I'm far from saying that I would want rid of him I mm. think he's an important player and I think he can make the step up to the championship but he needs to be told look mate you're fast you're powerful get forward bang across and stop taking I mean start, he didn't do that at the start of the season he's yeah, not playing to his strengths anymore playing. is he no oh, he's burnt, he burnt down the right wing even at the end of last season in the championship when he got on the team under Coleman for a bit he played on the right and he just bombed down the wing and just put the balls in he very rarely did seven million step overs. Like you're not good enough to do that, mate. You haven't yeah. shown enough to show that you're yeah. good enough to try and take. The, what you know, are good enough is to just drive past, mm-hmm. put a ball in, yeah. and then if you're on the other side of the of the pitch, which he didn't do as well, which is sort of a basic thing that a winger needs to do, is when the ball's on the opposite side of mm-hmm. McGeady, come into the box, bring yeah, that yeah. full back with you, because then if you come into the box, even if the ball doesn't come in, if it does come in, then suddenly you've got him, Greg, and Wyke in the box. You know, I mean, you triple your chances of scoring. Whereas if he brings that full back into the box with him and then the ball does get recycled and come out, then suddenly there's a big space on yeah. the other side and he's created that just by his movement yeah. and he's not doing that yet. I think in short, what I would say to him, if I could if I could only have maybe ten seconds to give him advice on the next game, I'd say, you know, you know, Lyndon, you know, a, a good winger you are, an inside forward you aren't. 
that would that would be pretty much yeah. my the long and short of it. But anyway, let's move away from from anything from from the uh, and sort of negative sort of reviews we're giving Gooch, you know, which I think are, are, are totally constructive in nature. But of course, oh, let, yeah. let's move on to something a bit more positive. It's just because I want him to do well. Yeah, I, I, we, yeah, we we all just want the best for for, for you, you know Lyndon and his yeah Lyndon like lovely why. little whimsical smile and his weird Californian Macam accent I met him in... that fundamentally disturbs me but I love it nonetheless but anyway Will Griggs finish I want to talk about that we all want to talk about that it was absolutely excellent it had these really sort of like bizarre shades of the out the door Barini flick on with with Wikes I don't know whether he, he totally meant it or not I've watched oh, it back a did. few times but he did Wyke just sort of like yeah, just like leaves it for Grig Grig takes it away from the man and then just finds a lovely shot from outside the box bottom right corner it looked completely effortless but there's so much involved there is this what we're missing Graham when we play long balls are we missing the ground war that we can win with Will Grigg um, I thought we played quite well yesterday before Charlie White came on but I definitely think we needed another dimension and I think I, I think Charlie White played really well but I think that's because he's first touched set of a goal and then all of a sudden out of like absolutely nowhere you're seeing like a guy that wanted to get the ball it wasn't a hot potato anymore he was like pushing people out the way there was a point when he had like three lads like on him and you just pushed them all out the way and I was just like it's Charlie White doing mm. like he looked like a man possessed like he yeah. was really good yeah. and I watched I was at the Blackpool game on New Year's Day the away game when Madger scored and Madger looks so much better with Charlie White there I think I think he Charlie he's a neighbour isn't he yeah he, he, he gets a bit of stick sometimes Charlie White and I think I think there's two two ways of thought uh, there's two ways to look at the Charlie White situation there's two trains of thought um Charlie White, we don't play to his strengths because we don't whip balls in, but that's him as a sole striker. If you play him alongside Will Grigg, he can kind of do what he did yesterday, so maybe that would work better. Yeah, I mean, what he did yesterday, everyone's talking like, oh, he's the big man when headers. Like, what he did yesterday was make yeah. a direct run, draw the centre-halves along with him, receive a ball into feet. Like, it was a long ball, really, from sort of the halfway line. Received it into feet, took a touch, held off his defender easily, mm-hmm. laid it off to Grigg, who, as soon as Grigg saw that ball came in, his eyes lit up. He knew this was a chance before it even came into fruition because yeah. he's just a striker. And he saw White take over the ball and he thought, right, I'm just going to run around and get it back and score. And that's it. Picture perfect for him because when when by the top because of White's run, bringing that right sided centre half across the box with him, it meant he clumped up the two centre halves together in absolutely nowhere. Like did no use to anybody there. Griggs' movement was way better than the centre half. I don't know why the the defender let him go that easily, but by the time he led off the ball to Grigg, he had the entire box. Yeah, he, he did not need to shoot as early as he did. Mm-hmm. He could have taken a touch. He could have stopped for a minute, have a sit down, mm-hmm. um, high five the goalkeeper, and then whatever he wanted to do, but. Instead, he just scored. I think there's definitely a shot for two up front for that very reason. I think when we have Will Grigg <coughs> up there by himself, mm-hmm. every defender in this league knows what he's capable of. Every defender knows that you've got to give him your full attention all game and you can keep him quiet. What? All right, okay, no, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that in a bit, Graham. You know, it, it's, it's an audio-based platform, so we'll, we'll, we'll come to what you've just pointed at in a bit. Not but for the, ti- for, for the time being... Let's just segue out of out of the game and into our, our this this little segment we've got. But having two having two up front, it's a really good idea because, as you say, with those centre backs, yeah. they can just keep an eye on Will Grigg all the time, and that can be enough to keep him quiet if you just have two big lads on him all the time. But when you bring White on midway through the game, suddenly they've just got they've got two was, things to think yeah. about. They've got individually, right. those two yeah. centre halves weren't good enough to mark no. Grigg and White independently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like now, all right, you know, the, the the long ball's being collected by this big lad here. We've got to get it off him. But then, by the time he finds the plastic rig, you've you've let Rig, you've let Rig away, and if you give him you give him an inch, he'll take a light year. Will Rig, he's just he's that he's that yeah. capable as a strike. As you say, the moment that that ball left White's foot and went into Grig's path, he knew 
that he could score from that. You could see it in, in just it's just like the, the purpose of his movement. <laughs> he knew it before White even touched the ball. Yeah. He knew he was going to yeah, score. It was just like, I think it's like, it, 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 it's almost like what it is when you watch a stream and like your stream's like lagging 10 seconds behind. Ah, he plays so, it. so when you look at Twitter, everyone's already seen the goal and you're waiting for it. Yeah, like that. Grig plays in a different time zone. Like yeah, he plays in it. Yeah, Will Grig is in a different time zone. That's a good way of putting it. So I think we'll leave that there for today. Actually, one more thing. Go on then. Why can't we play like that without White on the pitch though? So yeah. because Grig, front Grig can do exactly what White just did. Mm-hmm. Why haven't we got support for Grig from that point? So I don't mean supporting like oh okay. I mean like when I think it was Power who passed the ball was it mm-hmm. into White. I don't know. Say Ledbetter's got the ball on the halfway mm. line. Why can't Ledbetter play that ball directly through the midfield like he did into Griggs' feet? Because when Griggs receives it, he's got nobody around him. Why can't McGeady, Morgan, Gooch, whoever it is, then then Gooch can play as an inside forward. He can come off that wing, make a run through the centre-halves and try and collect that ball from Griggs because Griggs will find him. Yeah. I just think that positionally having a second striker just gives you that just give you that much mm. more accessibility Absolutely, for him. Yeah. I think having a winger or a number 10 trying to do the same role isn't going to be quite... But it's what power's there for, so why doesn't... Obviously, Honeyman, when he was there, ball goes into Grig's feet, right? Power, come alive, make yourself available, so then Grig lays off to you closer, and then Grig will make the run. It's mm-hmm. it's frustrating, and it must be really frustrating for Ross to watch, because he's seen White do that, and he's gone, well, we can do it. It's not the fact that White was on the pitch that enabled that to happen as much as it was, like, the mindset changed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If... I don't know... Yeah, White coming off the bench did mean that we could play that ball obviously White's the one that made the run but why can't any of the other players on the pitch make that run for them mm-hmm. you don't have to be a striker to be in that position especially if you're power and you're playing the number 10 role go make that run go yeah. f- occupy a centre half you're not doing anything like standing in midfield with like Ledbetter's got the ball Catamol's stood there Power stood like to his right you're not doing anything go occupy a defender mm-hmm. why aren't like that's that's the frustrating part with us when we're playing we don't build up properly because those midfielders don't take that responsibility that a striker does automatically like White and that's my argument. You I don't need White on the pitch. You need yeah. a player to take a bit more responsibility. And if, if it means bringing White in and playing four four two, then so be it. Yeah, I think that's more than fair enough, Chris. And I think if we're all happy, we can leave this there <laughs> and move on to the... Has you got anything else more to say, Chris? No. No? No. no. Well, maybe. No. no, no. Anyway, we haven't got as we haven't got a celebrity guest in with us this, this um, morning as we record this podcast. Sorry, Graham, I'm not lumping you in with... <laughs> with the likes of Kieran Brady and um, and, and and Julio Waga, but but you know it is what it is. So what we've got instead is a few days ago, I believe it was on Wednesday, someone put up a tweet on the Roker Report Twitter asking for unpopular opinions in a, a Sunderland AFC context. So what we're going to do now, we're not here to lambast people for what they believe, you know, but we're all entitled to an opinion. But we're going to read out some of what we, what I think could potentially be the most interesting or controversial unpopular opinions about SAFC and we're just going to see what we think about those so before we start obviously just having a go at the people who've had a go on this on this thread you know well we're not going to have a go I think I had that off we're just going to discuss them in a very measured and mature environment but well, well, well you know I think it's only fair enough that we give the people our unpopular opinions first just so you know just so we're all in the same boat that we all have something that very few other people seem to agree with so I'm going to start with mine I thought Liam Bridcut was Fairly all right. Nah. No. <laughs> no. no. I'm crap. Very much in the no. unpopular section. Like, yeah. I'll give you that. The, I mean, the, you've one, hit the, one, draw, the one one draw with Everton. Okay. The game against the Mags, the nil nil draw with Liverpool. He was a very good player. You've played, seen that for effect, Alex. He, he played, I'm not playing that for I'm not saying that for effect. I'm saying that because it happened and it, it was there. He was all right. 
he's he was slightly worse than Catamol on his day. And that for me is a player that's all right. He was like Sergio Biscuits. Uh, Biscuits? <laughs> B- Bis- yeah, he was like Sergio Biscuits. <laughs> right? Sergio Biscuits. At, uh, Sergio this Biscuits. This is James' park. Though. I was, he was class that day, but then after that, he was, well, he was the Bread Cup. Yeah, he was. No, I'm not having it. No, well, well, there you go. That's an unpopular opinion. Chris, give me one of yours. It's a bit difficult, that leg. Um... Go on, Chris. Loose face. I'm trying not to say something that's going to like potentially affect our chance of getting guests on the podcast in the future as well. Got to be pretty political. <laughs> um, I'm not getting Liam Bridcut, so I've already messed that one up. That's fine then. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I can't get Liam Bridcut on. Um, it's a tough one for me. Like, um, I, I, I've not really had time to think about it. You put us on the spot. Chris, have you got one? While, while Chris has a big old think, have you got any unpopular uh, opinions? I had, a, I had a couple the other day and I'm trying to remember what they were, but I think, and I think that, I don't know if it is an unpopular opinion because I probably just pay too much attention to Twitter, but, and there's an opposite one on the list of people here and I'm, I'm literally the other way, George Honeyman is 100% the right choice for captain. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think he absolutely is. 100% the right choice. And the reason Completely. being, in short, just because he doesn't shout and scream enough and all that kind of stuff, and I, I believe he did last season to certain individuals and maybe overstepped the mark, but fair play to him. I think someone deserved that. But George Honeyman does the right thing day in, day out. Gets the area, he gets the club, he trains hard, he works hard. He's always, he, when the celebrations and he's on the pitch, you can always see he's the first one to run and try and pull people together. And he's a bloody good player at the same time as well. And mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says, I love George Honeyman. I love George Honeyman. Seven out of ten comment that. Seven out of ten comment. You might even be an eight that grim. Might even be one I'm of those, not going to for an eight. Might even be one of those days where it's an eight out of ten comment. Chris, have you had a? Have you had a, you've had a think yet? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, it was going to be about Dick Advocate. Well, what about Dick Advocate? I just don't rate him at all. Like, I just don't think he was very good. He kept us up, but he wasn't very good. Like he, he I don't know if I, that's. I say, I'm not sure if it's unpopular. That's like, not unpopular. No, he, he totally he shouldn't have come back. That pr- promotion, yeah. yeah. He, he, he looked like he just. And the flowers thing yeah. was a bit like <laughs> a waste of money now. Yeah, a waste of time. Like, a big old waste of money. Yeah. Anyway, so let's have a look at what the people on that thread have said about their unpopular opinions. <laughs> so like Newcastle and Mint. Yeah. <laughs> One of them was that bad. Because, you know, it's a really obvious joke and we're beyond that. But the first one comes from someone who's actually not a Sunderland fan. It's Peter Taylor from the blog Bury Me in Exile. He's like a Bury fan. And he said, James Vaughan wasn't given a proper chance and floundered in a toxic environment. Get out of town. Uh, well, he's, he's not wrong about the toxic environment. No, James Vaughan could have been a different player if he signed this season, but um, he was also a knob. So, only so much we can do for you, James. Like, yeah, I just don't think he was very good. If he joined, if, if the attitude he had when he left, if he joined this summer with that attitude, he wouldn't have gotten of any of the squad and he wouldn't have played. No, but so. you just don't know. He might not have had that attitude. It would have been a different season. I think he was in League One for a reason, and I think yeah, he was in form. He'd scored twenty-four goals for Bury. Okay, I mean yeah. They were in League One at the time. There's a reason why he had to step down from the Championship to play his football. We brought him back up on the cheap because we didn't have much money. You know, Martin Baines' penny pinching was happening left, right, and John Mentor. So we had to come back into the fold. Played in the Championship, and he just wasn't very good. And I'm I'm not at all surprised that he'd only scored two goals by Christmas. That's about what I expected from James Vaughan. So I think, yeah, the environment was toxic, but what would be the difference there? Maybe if the environment was positive, he would have got three. You know, yeah. I, I I don't think I don't think he's got much there. I think ultimately, oh Chris, oh you've just cracked oh, your fingers. Cracked your fingers. <laughs> you, you, all right, I've got the headphones on. You've just audibly cracked your fingers. 
You know, you're, you're, you know. Uh, pre-pod, I was like swilling my mouth with that just because you had the air. Uh, I'm having serious on. problems with you, Chris. I'm having some serious. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna have a big, you know, have a big talk new after this meeting. You know, big old chat. But yeah, anyway, so we'll move on from that. I think we're all pretty much in agreement that we don't agree. But you know, as is the nature of unpopular opinions, we probably won't unanimously. Agree These are the same. Me. This is probably the same Burry fan who hates Chris Maguire, though. So we're never going to agree. Is. It so, is, yeah, yeah it's, it's a tricky yeah. one. It's a tricky one. But hey, I love Chris Maguire. Yeah. Anyway. Harry Hodgson says he wouldn't actually mind a drum in the South Stand if it was done properly. 100% Thoughts? Agree. 100% agree. I don't know, because it's annoying. Dung, dung, dung. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I mean, I, 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 like, I've, been to, I've been to a few German games because I, lo- I, love, I love Germany. I've got some family over in Germany. I love it. Yeah. And every time I go, man, there's like I, I go to see Hertha a lot. Um, and there's a guy at the front with a megaphone. And he's getting all the chants going and the drums all that. And it sounds dead cheesy, but it's just a tip. I bet it works. Is it a, is it a British attitude that, oh, nah. That's the reason it won't. Yeah. I think it's just I think it's just very European. and I think It won't work because you'd yeah. need all 36,000 people to be on board. Yeah, <laughs> which you wouldn't at, get. It works at Rangers. It works at Palace. It's not, that's an unpopular opinion in itself. That, like, Palace yeah, but I don't like it at rubbish. Palace because I just... When, oh, I, when, 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 I, when I think of nah, Palace... Anyone in Britain who calls themselves ultras... Nah, I go away. Like divorced that. dad's yeah. armies. Like, yeah. I, I, when I think of the drum, I literally just think of that game when we played Palace away, and then the, it was just like Wilfred Zahar and Balassi nutmegging people doing nothing else while the drum went dum dum dum. Like, oh yes, he's Magnum, and it's like that was it. And it was just like it's just a very like annoying environment for me. <laughs> what about Pompey? What's what do they have at Portsmouth Front Park? Is it like a meh sound or something like that? I don't know. Oh, the guy with it. Yeah. Thing. Loads of club in this that's, league. That is so yeah. annoying. Like all all the Portsmouth fans, like we're going to irritate you with our horn. It's like what? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, are you yeah. kidding? It's the most annoying we, sound. We, we should get it away and just get someone with an electric guitar. No one's having an electric guitar. Could you bring an electric guitar? Just, just absolutely like riff out. Yeah, yeah. Like a burnt face man kind of like <laughs> slap bass, like a a, a a slap bass solo. That wouldn't work, would it? No, no, no. I'm just, I mean, it, it's an interesting idea, but I don't know. I mean, I think when you, when, you, when you get down to it, ultimately, there's a lot of really just weird traditions that clubs in this country have. How much stranger would it be for a few of them to start banging the drum every now and then? You know, I mean, West Ham blow bubbles. In, in, what, in, in, in what dimension is it having a drum worse than having bubbles? You know, bubbles don't even make any noise. Exactly. They're just, they're just there. I mean, the suds might go in your eyes. It's, it's a nightmare, really. Logistically, I think it's a nightmare. I'd much rather have the drum. Nothing goes wrong with the drum. I wouldn't be the guy that carries it going that. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where would you put it? You just kind of just at the back. I don't know. <laughs> but they used to just bang on the seats and that, didn't they? Uh, yeah, but I mean that's bang on, like bang on the uh, the corrugated iron and that. Boxes, yeah, yeah. Bang on that. Yeah, well, if, if you're going to bang on corrugated iron, you may as well have a drum instead. You know, it's, it's kind of. I think it, it arguably maybe would help you keep the pace with the chance as well. I mean, you shouldn't really need that. You know, I think like, we're pretty. Like, we're, Sunderland fans are pretty good at singing. Like to be yeah, fair, like, we, don't need like a, a big, we don't need a metronome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, guys, we are we are we are sides in four four. Right? So <laughs> did you yeah, see? Yeah. The, did you see the guy at Queens Park Rangers that like they were getting beat like by I don't know three goals or something? Oh, she started like, 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 like <laughs> Oh no. He did that, but with his head, <laughs> like against like against like that yeah. against the boxes. And That's what we need. Chanted. No one uh, looked at the guy banging his head off a wall. We've all been there. Oh, it was Sunderland, though. Right? Yeah, the last ten years, definitely. we Absolutely. could maybe do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Dave, the rave today. Aye. Oof. 
So we'll move on. Speaking of atmosphere, actually, this is an interesting one. Karim says, the only times we've had a properly good atmosphere at the Sol is whenever we've played Newcastle and Everton in 15-16. That's it. So he wasn't at the Chelsea what, game that's when it. Was good. He, according to this opinion, we've only ever had a good atmosphere at the Sol when we've played the Mags or in the 2015-16 season when we beat Everton 3-0. Not when... I disagree. Yeah, not when we do, like beat Charlton. Mm-hmm. On the first day of the season, that was, that was uh, even though we yeah. went 1-0 down and the, the place erupted with support for the lads. Mm-hmm. Nah, get yeah. out. Yeah, I, 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 lose. Brad, I mean, if he's talking of all time, I'm going to go right far back and we can do another hour here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Oh, no, it's really warm in this room. It's, yeah. it's, it's very warm in, in the studio. I definitely think there could be a better atmosphere. I don't think it's as good as people think it is, but they say that that's the only time. Yeah. Like, the Chelsea home game was... Brilliant! Like mm. when, like Barini and Defoe scored in a minute, it was class, and we were getting beat at half time. So it would be quite easy for us to be miserable. The Mags mm-hmm. were playing Villa that day. Nah, I'm not having that. I mean, sometimes mm. it's poor, but yeah, just Newcastle and the Everton game, okay. as you say, Charlton this mm-hmm. season. Like, nah, nah, get out of town. Yeah. Chance. He also what was it? Said Seb now with the wall against Blackburn. Nah, you can't. Oh, no, that was lovely. That yeah, yeah. Oh, how about Man City one nil when G scored? Okay, okay. I was actually in the Rose Dean. Yeah. I was in the Rose Dean when that happened and I never, never heard no noise yeah. like it till the room shook. I was in heaven. Because yeah. it basically because everybody just sort of went like, Oh, that's the end and sort of people were sort of turned towards the bar and that. Yeah. And then you could just see Martin O'Neill hopping up and down like, Go on, go on. Yeah. <laughs> so how can you Seb possibly passing out on the hockey then because he had flu? <laughs> you watch that and he passes out. Does he? He just drops on he, he drops he drops down in the centre circle. I remember Martin O'Neill afterwards saying he's always had flu all week, but he really wanted to play, and that's Hopkinson. why I love Seb Larson. We love Seb. We I do love, love Seb. Seb. Also his eyes. I just yeah. love everything about him. He is a lovely man, you know. He's just great. I like looking at him. Although he did once like my favourite Seb Larson moment. This is a weird segue. We were uh, Paulo De Canio, um Everton at home after the uh, the, the derby win. We go one nil up through Sessegnon, sick, unreal. And then Seb Larson decides to try and lob Mignolet oh, from the halfway line. God, and he just pings it towards goal. And Mignolet has to like make a dive and save and he gives away a, an indirect free kick. That, that produced an Alfred and Dye photo, wasn't it? Where like everyone else is just like, oh God, the ball's coming at us. And he's just like... Yeah, and he's just looking at us. <laughs> he's just staring yeah, at the ball. like. Yeah. <laughs> and then big, we blocked, we blocked it. And then that's the roar that went after that was amazing. Uh-huh. I remember Larson, like, he actually apologised to all four sides of the stadium after he <laughs> yeah, hit that so ball because he was like, what did I do with that for? Sorry, boys. <laughs> Sorry. Patting the badge in front yeah. of the Gallagher. That's my favourite Seb Larson yeah. moment. Oh, just, Can we just, just do favourite Seb Larson moments? Yeah, yeah this, this, honestly, I'd, I'd love to. First game, first game, first game. Yeah. Back I almost feel sorry for Ola Toivonen because he's comfortably always going to be the second best looking Swede that we've had. Aye. Even though most clubs he's at. He's probably be, he's probably won the top prize on most clubs he's been at, even even in Sweden. But you know, when he was here, he was never gonna never gonna use Seb Seb. Never never had a chance. Blue eyed. Second favorite person. Second favorite. You know, it's just he just wasn't he just he wasn't Seb. He he, he wasn't the man we needed. Ah, oh, Seb. It's getting a bit there. Getting a bit racy now in the pay too yeah. much to play for Sunderland, so we had to leave. But it's a, it's a hard life. Anyway, Gary nineteen eighty seven says we've only played well two or three times this season. Nah. I see where he's coming from. I know I see, what you I mean. See where, I see what you mean. Probably played better more than that. Though. Well's probably a relative term. If you mean well, as in we've played like a team that's not in League One two or three times, I would say yeah. But generally, if we've played like a League One team for the duration of the season because we are a League One team, 
And I think as a consequence, we're not going to be world beaters. We're going to, we're going to look like pretty naff at times, even though we've got a result. So I get where you're coming from, but I mean, it wouldn't be something that I would be particularly concerned about. Not that that what, not that that what, not that that's what he's saying. Not if that's what he's saying. But I, I get what you mean. I think I, I understand where Gary's coming from. I, I sort of, I don't like. You can't comment on how well Sunderland play, really, in mm. the sense of that it's sort of out of our hands. It's not. <laughs> Try to get across what I mean here. We aren't. We're, we're good enough team so that other teams play us. They have to respect us and defend and frustrate mm-hmm. us and be combative. But we're not good enough to just bypass that. Mm-hmm. So a team to beat us has to set up in a certain way defensively. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they stand no chance. Whereas we're not actually good enough to bypass that and demolish it. Like we're never yeah. going to beat a team four or five nil in this league because of the way that they're going to set up. Like against Luton, when we drew nil nil, the worst thing that could have happened to us was Luton getting a man sent off because it meant they stopped playing their open, free flowing yeah. game mm-hmm. and went back to the same thing that we faced all season. Yep. You basically don't need all eleven players on the pitch to stop Sunderland from beating you. No, you just no. need to set up in a certain way, and there's not a lot we can do about that. Enough yeah. players that can unlock stuff. There's only yeah. they were like the first sort of twenty minutes against Walsall. You're watching it. We kept the ball really well, kept recycling it, and I was looking, going, "What on earth are we went to do?" Mm-hmm. I, I was generally at a loss I was like how do you get this ball through their defenders any faster because yeah, you just couldn't it, it, it just looked really stagnant I just, it, just, it had that grim feeling of a game yeah. where they're going to get like a jammy goal and then we're going to have to like fight our way back to a 1-1 and possibly be stuck there but thankfully the the uh, the, the, the extra little genius of Will Grigg made the difference as we've said but yeah no I, I do I, I do understand that I think, I think I think it's a very valid point I think if you're going to say we've played well insofar as We've been absolutely the best team in every department. There's only been a few games where I'd say that, you know, Scunthorpe, maybe Rochdale. But ultimately, we've had a lot of games that have been quite frustrating, so I understand that. Moving on to the next one, Martin Dunn says, we played our best football under Poyet, and the Moonfruit slated him. Uh, no, for me, that's a big old no. I mean, who did we play our best football under then? Not Poyet. God. But who did we play our best football under? In the Premier League, I might even argue Allardyce, to be honest, but... <laughs> Christ, not not not. If you think some of the games were played with Poyet, we were absolutely horrendous to watch. We were so like, I mean, there was the eight nil, but then it was bizarre. We either had games where we just ground out nil nils, or, or we lost, or we lost by eight nil or four nil. The teams like Southampton and Aston Villa. I mean, we firmly did not play our best football under Allardyce. That's out of the question. We were not good at football under Allardyce. We just we did what League One teams are doing to us. And it worked. Oh, no, thought, doesn't mean doesn't mean we're good. I liked football. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. It was total like. I thought it was really refreshing to see an Allardyce team not be as sort of, not be as, sort of monotonously anti-football as he's one was made out to be. I thought that we had a lot of players there who were very creative. Like Kirchhoff would just run the show in the Kirchhoff field. Kirchhoff was a god. It was. I mean, I remember the West Brom game. We drew nil nil, but he just like every he just. He he just had full control. Like we needn't have had any other midfielders there because he could just do everything. It was ridiculous how good he was. Kone with Kabul looked unreal. He had Mvila who was a joy to watch. Oh yeah, you were you were a good team. You were a good team with with Allardyce. So I don't I don't I don't think at all it was a generic sort of Allardyce kind of side. I think we we played some very creative, very nice looking football. Kazri, Craigie, you know when he wanted to be good, he would be good. Big thing with that comment though, right? The big thing with that comment is that depends what you define as good football because like some people define. A passing possession-based, um, high-pressing game as as good football. To me, good football is is it effective and does it benefit the team you got on the pitch? And that's where I would come in and say maybe Poyet played the most attractive football when it worked. Mm-hmm. I think our best football was under Allardyce because it was effective. Yeah, 
And I think that's the point I would make. Yeah. But but if you're a, f- a football purist and you believe in the mm-hmm. inverted commas uh, Barcelona way of playing, then you you could have an argument for Poirier, yeah. Sure. Apart from we got so. beat eight 0 which yeah. is kind of <laughs> anyway. Dean Longstreet. Hey, hey, you know, he, he tried his best. Uh, you know, <laughs> you've, you've got a fan here, Liam, if, if by some weird chance you are one minute, one hour, 13 minutes into the Roker Report podcast <laughs> when you have no affiliation with Sunderland beyond your little spell here. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, Dean Longstaff says, playing a weakened team away at Hull in the FA Cup quarterfinal was a good idea. Oh, oh absolutely. Go on then, Graham. Go away. So yeah. earlier... Earlier on this pod, when um, I said that Graham was pointing at the screen and scowling at me, this is what he was pointing at on, on like the pod agenda. <laughs> a few of these, as we go on, we get a few more controversial ones towards the end. And I'm not going to name the other people, so everyone else I'm going to leave anonymous because I just don't think it's fair. But they're that wrong Trust that you me, can't actually there's, name there's them. There's some here so that like I'm really, weird, really against here, but... Anyway, go on and Graham. There's one I kind of really quite agree with, but... Um, Playing that weekend team away in, <sighs> at Hull in the quarterfinal. Why was that a bad idea? Why was Ostari and, and Deceno and all them a bad idea? Actually, what was that team? Like, wait, wait, but wait, like, does he mean in the sense that, like, because we stayed up? He just said it was a good idea. Because you could say, like, oh, like, fair enough, yeah, we stayed up, so it made sense. But at the same time, right, we stayed up that season... Just because, like, we went mint for five games, mm-hmm. and I don't know where the hell that came from. And Connor Wickham went nuts, didn't he? Yeah, like Connor, Connor Wickham wasn't even anywhere near the first time he played that. I mean, you've got we've got the lineup. Yeah, here we are. So we've got Ostari, Bardsley, Desena, Catamull, Virginia O'Shea, Larson, Callback, Fletcher, Jackarini, and Scott Rowe. <laughs> Scott Rowe. <laughs> on the bench, you had Key Sung Young. Um, you had someone that I don't want to main name because yeah. we don't we don't believe in sort of giving this any this kind of platform whatsoever. We have Saluska, Quilar. Minoni, Bridcut, you know, great player, and Barini. I uh, obviously Barini, he should not have been named. Uh, and there was one over there that jumped out. It was like they, they probably should have started, isn't it? That's the main changes you'd have made. Probably, yeah. Got a chance to get the Wembley. time. You've seen what everything meant at Wembley Key? literally a week ago Key. before. Key. Key should have played. God, nah, I, I, I couldn't I, even guess what the lineup was I based cannot, on that. I, can't, I, I couldn't guess what the formation was based on that lineup. Where's Dean? Where, where, Dean, let's have a, let's have a chat. Let's have yeah, a pint. So let's, let's sit down. Let's chat about it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll listen to your points. But at the moment, on the, the basic one-sentence statement, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I would, have, I would have loved us to be one of those rare teams that could use the chance. Que sera, sera. Put the champagne on ice. We're going to Wembley, Wembley twice. Because if you win this game, you've got Wembley for the semis, don't you, for the FA Cup? Yep. yep. That would have been unreal. I mean, this team was a crap team. I mean, Ostari, Skoko... Desena, what it is though? If Catmull didn't get sent off, no. yeah. You know, no. At the end of the day, the selection yeah. is what it is. But yeah. I mean, Catmull cost us. Yeah. I slate the story as well, but he did save that penalty in that game as well. So it's it's a weird one. It's a, it, it is a weird one. But anyway, let's uh, we'll leave that where it is. So we've got one here that I'm again. I think uh, again we're getting we're getting into some that I think are not a very what what's the opposite of divisive. Just very wrong. <laughs> Yeah, just flat out wrong. So we've got one that says Josie at the door was never given a fair chance. Uh, no, uh, I think he had plenty of chances, mate. About sixty games, isn't it? Plenty of chances. It's just like see how many games he, he didn't get a good chance in the same way that every other player at Sunderland during that period didn't get a fair chance because of the way the club was run and the way the coaches managed him. I just think yeah, but insofar as that he had he was on the pitch a lot, he was of on times the pitch and he yeah. had a lot of chances to score, which he didn't. You know, I mean the West yeah. Ham game. Come on, come on, you can't say that man didn't. 
didn't have a, a chance to no, prove himself. He missed an open goal by kicking the ball backwards, handballing it, and falling on his ass. I remember that. Oh, it was yeah. just a nightmare for them. It, it, I was like, about to try and defend that yeah. opinion, but I can't. The entire the entire stadium when he did that just went mm-hmm. nah, not happening. Yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah. Here's one. Here's one. Lee Catamull doesn't deserve a testimonial. Of course he does. does. We're gonna leave that one right there. There's there's nothing there's nothing to debate there. It's Lee Barry. How about this? Josh Madger is twice the player of Will Grigg. No. Absolutely not. I think Josh Madger He might be. Josh Madger could finish, Will Grigg could finish, but Will Grigg can do a lot more than just that. Yeah. Madger might one day be twice the player of Grigg. Perhaps he's not right now. As it stands, if we're gonna compare the two, I think they're both good finishers, but they're both probably about on par for me on that. But Will Griggs' all-round game is excellent. He can do he can he can do an awful lot more than just shoot. And I think one thing that I think Magic couldn't do as well was beat his man in the same way Greg can. Greg can just flick a ball around his man like it's nothing, and it looks so effortless. And it just looks I don't so... know. I thought that's one of Magic's strengths. To be fair, you put the, give the ball to his feet in the box, and he's probably going to score. Doesn't matter what position he is or where he's facing. No, I, I think Magic's strength was like his positional awareness was really good, mm. but I think his, his yeah. physicality was never there. And I think while Will Greg isn't the biggest lad. On the planet, he puts he, himself he, about. He, he, he can. He puts himself about. He can really he's use got, what he's got. He's got experience, in, and that's where I think Chris has got a point in time. Josh could be better, but at the moment, he's he's, he's had a good six months. Yeah, let's yeah. not get ahead of steam. I think that's fair. <laughs> Here's one. Um, Titus Bramble was one of the better defenders we had in the last ten years. I mean, to be fair, no, right? No, no. If don't. you count every single defender we've had, and we've had a lot, he's definitely not in sort of the bottom ten. You know what I mean? No. He's, I don't know if he's one of the better ones. If yeah. if you count up, who's he? Who's he better than in the last ten years? Reberge, Reberge, Dicky Day, McShane, 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 uh, Kilgallen. What does I love Kilgallen? Hey, well, no, I'd rather have Kilgallen than Bramble. Just because he did one turn against Man City yes. does not mean he's actually that good at centre half. Kilgallen, I preferred uh, uh, Bramble. It depends which Bramble you're looking at. The Bramble in the first sort of season was was actually pretty good, and I think if we're talking <laughs> defenders, he's better than uh, Jimmy Dunn. Yeah, but I mean that. You know, but like we're talking Premier League here. We can't. Right, we're talking Premier League. All right. We can't, well, we can't reasonably compare to anyone uh, we had in the Championship or League One. Uh, Bramble. Who was, he, who was he not as good as? He wasn't as good as Wes Brown. No. He wasn't as good as O'Shea. He wasn't, he wasn't as good as, as Michael O'Shea. Turner. He was. He wasn't as good as a fit John Mensah. Oh, John Mensah was. Class. Wasn't as good as Corny Ockerbill when they played together. He was better than Paulo da Silva. Yeah, give you that. Better than Carlos Quella. Oh, I don't know. Actually, actually, yeah. He's better he's than Sortis Criagos. Yeah. Oh my lord. To be honest, he's probably. I mean, I think. I mean, the statement he was that he's one of the better defenders. I think he's probably in the middle, isn't he? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. what I'm saying. Like, if you if you put all of our players like in a list and then drew a line in the middle of them, I reckon Titus Bramble might just sneak above that line yeah. in the middle. So therefore, he's so one of our better if we're players. Talking the bottom of the upper echelon. Would you consider that the twelfth best team in League One is one of the better teams in the league? You wouldn't say that, would you? I don't. No, I think I, I don't agree with his statement, but I think I think he falls short of being correct with he's, this one. He, he's he's I see where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. He's wrong, but I see where he's yeah, coming from. Yeah. If he'd said Titus Bramble's not as bad as people remember him, or he's not as bad as the myth of Titus Bramble, mm-hmm. then I'd say, yeah, he the myth. Yeah, he's not as good as Kader Mangan. Hundred percent win record. I forgot about him. Mind Kader Mangan, crikey, beat the mags and all. Aye, I'm trying to think of the ones. Yeah, I miss the pink seats. I don't. What? Oh, sorry, what? Jake. I miss the pink seats. Why would you? Not naming them. It's just broken. Oh, I like Jake though. Yeah, oh, he likes his little. Well, we, we've got a lot of Jakes. It's fine. I like we Jake. I mean, why? I, no, just take one of them. They're still just take some. 
Yeah. If, you, if you miss them that much, let's go get one. Yeah, well, why don't why, why, why you marry one? No, it's just, it was an awful, like, sickly faded salmon colour. It's not now, to now the seats. Now they're a very rich, sort of like, yeah. sort of like proud, intimidating crimson, contrasting with a white in the corners. It's lovely now. The what, seats what mean a lot more. Was, was minging. The seats colours mean a lot more than just the the appearance of the stadium mm-hmm. it's sort of had a more of a representation for sort of it, a big it, yeah, new it start it that we're not the sort of like run down shell of a big yeah, club anymore we're now with someone back. yeah it is There's a, it's, it's got a lot of sentimental moral value that goes beyond just like the, the physical appearance so I think I think yeah I think I do not miss the pink seats whatsoever can't agree with that at all we're going to end with this one here because again we're not going to hear the person the cheesy chips crack is terrible now this one for me, uh, no, the, the cheesy chips crack. I like it a lot. Tell you what, if what, you don't like the yeah. cheesy chips crack, and you're not invited to Wembley. I, Fair enough. Don't come. Know, yeah, don't be on Wembley way. Don't be miserable. It's like yeah. you know what the cheesy chips is just something that happens in Sunderland, a bit like blue pop and a bit like pink slices. Mm. I heard somebody call a pink slice and pink ice slice the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, get out. I'm I'm going to take a point to you and say, like, when when it comes to that, when I see someone saying the cheesy cheesy chips crack is terrible, like, what's wrong? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you need that's it? upsetting do, you? How are you, man? Do you need somebody to hold you? Like, so like, what? What? How can you be upset about? I mean, I'm a bloody vegan, and I'm not upset about it. You know what I mean? Well, you can get that. You, you are a bloody it took me vegan. Like, twenty-two minutes to get into that. So for that joke, it takes a vegan only ten seconds to say he's vegan. I've just disproved the point. Uh, I'll give you that, Graham. I'll give you that. Even I like the cheese. Yeah, I mean, I you, you, you can get vegan cheese, you know. Like you, you, you can You can get in. You, you can get. get yeah, you can yeah. get terrible cheesy chips. Free BioLife for mentioning BioLife. By life, if you're listening, the fridge is empty. Mm. Vegan cheese on Wembley <laughs> Way. Oh no! Vegan <laughs> cheese. Nah, on see that the vegan way. cheese cracks terrible. Like yeah. <laughs> well, the sausage rolls. They're actually all right. There, Mark. I like them. Sausage rolls on Wembley Way. That will be that for me. I had the, them before it, yesterday. I had three. They're really decent, and they're not that bad for you either. It's. Uh, I honestly think it's probably a better alternative. I've got a Greg's conspiracy theory like they only introduced the vegan sausage rolls to distract everyone from the fact that they raised the prices of all of their stuff by 10p at the same time valid yeah and then people are saying like oh well look how much revenue the vegan sausage rolls brought in it's great for veganism it's "It's not the vegan sausage roll that's brought in all the revenue it's the fact that they raised all the prices Mm. by 10p yeah I think think most most of the purchases of the vegan sausage roll will be non-vegans who are like you know what let's try this or it'll be people who like want a reason to hate it even though they've never tried it yeah no, it literally, I, I, my conspiracy theory is that the vegan sausage roll yeah. exists purely because they needed something to distract everyone from the fact they were going to raise the prices. I think that's fair. So they, was, uh, they, yeah. they sat down one day and went, we're going to raise the yeah. prices of everything by 10p, but we don't want to upset everyone, so yeah, what should we do? Yeah. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one thing I want to end this on now with the, with the cheesy chips crack, and like not like the person who wrote this, like I say, I'm not at all, basically, if, if you're not a fan of the crack, that's fair enough, you know, like, but what, why, the reason I like it, you know, and this is entirely distinct from that point, but it, it lets me segue into it quite conveniently. The cheesy chips crack was something that was started by, by the mags as like a classist insult towards Sunderland. The whole point of that joke is that all oh, the Mackums, all they do is eat cheesy chips and drink blue panda pop. With the joke being that those are like insubstantial meals that you can buy on the cheap, and you know that they, they obviously they are obviously they're a million miles away from the caviar that they have over there, but that's the whole point is that like we that we take this joke and we turn it ironically into a positive, you know it's like okay what what we eat cheesy chips okay well we eat them on Wembley Way when we go to Wembley, which you don't do because you don't go to Wembley, and that and that for me is great you know I like it I, I like it when classist jokes are turned on the head, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's very good and I think there's a lot of that in. There's a, there's a lot of that that creeps in very like that maybe a bit of like cultural elitism that I'm just not a fan of. So like, we tell you what, we'll enjoy our terrible crack, 
um, but we'll enjoy our Wembley way. Like, yeah, exactly. So. It's like, yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah, okay, right. Yeah, sure. Okay, us, us Mackhams are, yeah, we're all minging because we'll have this, you know, this food that's, you know, nutritionally devoid of value. But hey, you know, when was the last time you went to the new Wembley? <laughs> Doesn't last long in my, I mean, maybe my insubstantial food's rotting away my neural pathways, but I can't recall the last time you did it. <laughs> So on that note, I think we'll leave it there. So thank you very much for tuning in to the Roker Report podcast. If we at all featured your unpopular opinion, don't worry, we've all got them. You know, like I say, mine was pretty bad. Hey, you know, we've all all got one opinion no one can agree on, so it is what it is. We're all friends here. It's all good. So thank you very much, Chris, for joining us. Ah, any bother. Coming coming to you pre-recorded from Sunderland University. Pick up Spark. Yeah, coming to you pre-recorded from the University of Sunderland, brought to you by Spark. Yeah. And we're also... Thanks, Graham. You were here as well. No, I was going to say, I was waiting for me. No, well, I, I made the joke production. last week where I forgot Chris, but when there's only two people, it's not quite as effective. So I'm, I'm going to acknowledge you in this outro. Thanks for being here, dude. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. Okay. So thank you very much. And here's to the last, the next time you'll hear from us. Oh, sorry, the next time you'll hear from us after a Sunderland game, we will have been to Wembley. So here's hoping the next time we can report <gasps> ooh, a Sunderland game, ooh. next time we can report a Sunderland game, we will have brought home the Czech Trade Trophy, courtesy of Don Love and Alim Erzturk. There's an unpopular opinion. Erzturk, that's how you say it. It's that's how you say it. That's how you say it. There you go. So if your if your unpopular opinion was featured, don't worry because I'm the Wally who says Erzturk. So do not worry. Right? That's the worst one going. Popular opinion. Conor Bromley's overrated. <laughs> and uh, Chris, I, I said opinions, not facts. <laughs>